Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get your free audio book download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash necessary blackness. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can access it from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic. Because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognize no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries, Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school-to-prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment, Elementary Genocide 3, the Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor. And when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back. And you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness Podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool up cultivated roots media and I choose to tune into Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. Peace and Black Power family, this is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody that been tuning in. We are averaging over 20,000 listeners on our weekly broadcast. I want to give a shout out to everybody that been tuning in, that been listening. And I want to give a special shout out to everybody that came out to the Justice on Trial Film Festival that recently took place in Los Angeles, California. As many of y'all know, I was out there. It was a very, very monumental moment. Um, I got to screen Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. I did a lecture followed by a Q&A. I love California. But today, I have in the building with me a very special guest, and I'm allow him to introduce himself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is Schoolboy1867, and uh, the 1867 at the end of my name is for Morehouse College, Morehouse College being the one and only institution of higher learning specifically for black men. And Schoolboy1867 is going to be our political analyst yes, sir. today. And y'all might have heard him on the Star in the Morning show. Yeah, Star in the Morning and uh, what was it called the, with Shampoo? Um, A Time to Heal. Time to Heal. Yeah, a little comedy and satire in there. Yeah. And um, us as black people, we definitely need black spaces. And we do need A Time to Heal because we are dealing with a lot of trauma. A lot of it is outside forces. Some of it is internal trauma that we deal with that has regiments from slavery that has been passed down. And the trauma that we are dealing with, man, is coming from individuals 
that I want to say they display what I like to call anti-black, you know, persona. Yeah, this anti-black sentiment. And we're going to talk about that today because there's two incidents that is getting a lot of traction on social media and in the news. And um, the first one I want to talk about with you is the situation that happened in Brooklyn where this white lady lied on a nine-year-old child and said that he sexually assaulted her. For those that haven't already seen the video, you can go online and see it. What was your thoughts when you watched that video? Uh, I just thought that it's kind of commonplace that for a long time, white women and just white people in general have used the police offensively. They use the police and weaponize the police to try to get black people, specifically black men, in trouble for real or perceived threats. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad that they think that that's still appropriate, especially when we live in a world that's so connected. Like, it's not hard to take a video of you lying, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I, I think it goes even further back when we look at what happened to us during the time of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the whole entire town got bombed and burned to the ground because a white lady said that she was raped. Then we can go back to the time of Emmett Till that got killed by a lynch mob of racist white supremacists from a lady that said that he whistled at her in a sexual manner, and we're just finding out that she admitted to lying about that incident. And then most recently, Dylan Roof went and shot nine individuals in a church in Charleston, South Carolina. And when he was on trial, one of the things he stated, and the reason why he did it is because he said someone had to do something because you know these black people are killing white people on the streets every day. And they rape our women. So this is the sentiment that is being laid out as a precursor mm -hmm. to what is about to happen if we don't take uh, corrective measures. And this is why it's very important. We always screaming that we need to vote and this, that, and the other. Well, we need our politicians to step up. Mm -hmm. We need a legislation passed where they can't weaponize 911, and if they do use it to make uh, felonious complaints, you know, barbecuing while black, driving while black, walking while black, swimming in your own swimming pool while black, or being on, on campus while black, then they need to be held to task for that. They need to be criminalized for that and be brought up on charges what do what, what you think else could happen that we can stop this from occurring? Yo, I, I like the fact that you said we got to get the lawmakers involved because, you know, it, 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 they call me schoolboy for a reason. I, I've been in school for probably, it feels like forever. But my undergraduate degree was in international studies and economics. And um, in that study, one of the things that we learn is the first thing that a country has to do if they really want to be established as the governing uh, body of that state, is they have to secure it. And that's what our politicians should be doing for our nation. And when I say nation, I mean nation of black people. This is a country um, full of nations, different type of nations. And we need the, our lawmakers to be defensive for us when it comes to that law. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's one incident. And I told y'all there was two. There was another incident in St. Louis where you had an individual white lady named Hillary Brooke Muller, and she has been making her rounds on social media, and they're calling her <laughs> Apartment Patty. And she stopped the individual named Darion Tolls from entering his unit. She stopped him at the door. And she wanted to see his uh, key fog. And he explained to her, ma'am, I live in the building. You're not the police. You're not the security. And I'm not showing you my key fog. And she said she felt uncomfortable and she felt unsafe. But she, she felt safe enough 
to follow this young man to his apartment, watch him use his key fog to go into his apartment, and then still call the police. However, justice was on his side because she wound up getting fired from her job and she got exposed for the racist that she is. But there's a sad ending to this story, unfortunately. And that sad ending is that Darion Tolls is a low-frequency slave and a coon. And it's unfortunate what happened to him, but I really don't have... I don't have the sympathy. Man, me that's, that, that's the right words. I don't have the sympathy. And I'm going to tell you why. He does an interview where he tells everybody to please go to his Facebook page. And he seemed more interested in promoting his social media and what he has going on. And it seems like uh, Darion is trying to ride the 15 minutes of fame. So guess what? Twitter went to his page. They was watching his YouTube video, and lo and behold, they found out that this man is a coon. He made a video where he blamed Trayvon Martin for his own death. And he also made statements where he was saying that... um, Oh, that's right. I remember now. You said... um he said he still wanted to have a conversation with the woman. Like basically, uh, this this is basically like Obama's version of the uh, beer summit. He basically wants to sit down and and have tea and crumpets with uh, uh, apartment Petty uh, Patty. And you know, no, no, that's not. The and move, and then he also said that he didn't want her to get fired. Right. Okay. And what we have to do, black people, we have to stop being docile. We have to recognize that there is a group of people that's out here that want to see your demise. They know that calling the police on you places you in a hostile environment with the ultimate goal of you getting shot and killed. We've seen it happen time and time again. They're not calling the police so the police can come and give you a lecture. No. They want to see your black ass in jail or in the grave. So I don't know what conversation you want to have with her. You know, um, you see these incidents time and time again, even with the white lady in Brooklyn after they showed her the video explaining to her that this young nine-year-old boy did not assault you, ma'am. She apologized. But apology is not good enough. They're asking that the DA in Brooklyn bring forth charges on this lady. Got to make an example. You got to make an example. If not, this is going to keep happening time and time again. But I digress. But what we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But before we go to that commercial break, I'm going to let you hear Darion's video. I want y'all to really listen to Darion's video where he blamed Trayvon Martin for his own death. And you tell me if this nigga ain't no coon. (laughs) My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast and we will be right back. Trayvon Martin, so y'all gotta understand what's going on. Because if we respond that way that some of you guys are promoting, you know, tell me why I'm not saying I'd be dead. I don't want to even play with that type of energy, but... At the end of the day, me being a professional, I let the police in my house. I don't have to. I'm in my rights. I don't have to. So you seriously mean to tell me that this 17-year-old child who went to get Skittles and iced tea and was walking home with a hoodie on, it was up to him to respond differently after the police instructed Zimmerman, don't follow him, wait for the police to get there. Why on earth would you say such an idiotic statement like that? Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop it right there. And I want to give a shout out to our sister, Paris, from blackandpriceless.com. She's the sister that uh, found this footage and also gave a little commentary on it. And we're going to play that commentary in a minute. But one thing I want to let y'all know, right? There are pictures of him from 2012 from his prom. And yes, he took a snow bunny to the prom. So this individual, Darion, he has an affinity for white women. Yes, he is a swirler. So let's uh, check out a little more of her commentary. That, (laughs) 
it's just so textbook. I knew it was something about him that I couldn't stand. And I couldn't put my finger on. I was like, just the way he talks, his look, his demeanor, his arrogance, because he has an arrogance about him. This whole entire situation he has made about himself. And he's not realizing that you giving her a pass like this is going to affect other black people. You going on this stupid positive tirade. Everything's positive, positive, positive. Po- it's it's phony. And this needs to happen to you again. For you to seriously fix your mouth to try to insinuate that Trayvon could have acted differently. If somebody is stalking you and chasing after you, how are you supposed to react? They're supposed to be as dumb as you and just be so positive and say, no, sir, you have the right to shoot me. You have the right to run after me. You have the right to question me, even though you're a complete stranger and I don't know you. How dare you? He is a bottom of the barrel scum to me. And he's one of those types, I'm realizing the reason why he gave that white woman such a pass is because she is reminiscent of the type of women that he likes to date. So when I went through his photos, these were his prom pictures, okay? And when you see the prom, it was just like snow bunnies, all of them. You have it, ladies and gentlemen, live in HD. That's audio HD. But what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back with our second half of this segment. And I'm sitting here with Schoolboy1867. Hi, this is Kofi Brinkley, a Georgia Independent Insurance Agent. Life insurance is very important for the protection of your family. In these times with the rising cost of living, health care, and burial, life insurance is more important than ever. I'm reminded of a client who assumed that they had enough coverage and found out the hard way when the primary breadwinner lost their job due to illness. Unfortunately, the family wasn't covered appropriately during this illness and the home was lost and a business was closed as a result. A simple life insurance policy could have saved the family the anguish of poverty and loss of income and assets. If you're interested in finding out how to protect your family and your assets for the untimely dread messenger death, please reach out to me on Facebook at KMB Independent Insurance Agency. That's KM as in more B Insurance Agency on Facebook. Be sure to like our page. Necessary Blackness Podcast. Don't accept sponsorship from third-party corporations or influencers. We are supported by the people. If you are avid listener of the podcast, consider donating to our cause. Go to elementarygenocide.com and click on the donation link. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. This is Shalee. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz. Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of the wonderful From Afros to Shell Toes and Sweet Tea Ethics. When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie, Raheem Shabazz, on the Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's essential. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is the lowrider guru, Thomas T.J. Lofton from Compton, California. When I'm traveling around the world or I'm in the car, I got Necessary Blackness podcast on checking out my man, Ryan Shabazz. Yo, what up? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Businessfully, Dave Anderson of the Business Fully podcast. You know me when you see me. You've heard me in these streets. If you haven't, that's just me breathing down your neck. You are listening to the Necessary Blackness podcast with my brother, my homeboy, my main Number one cousin from another oven, my man Ryan Shabazz, man. Get in, get your mind right because it's necessary. This is Siraj, founder of the Man in the Mirror Project, hanging out with Raheem Shabazz all the way from the UK, representing that Necessary Blackness podcast. Peace. This is Zaza Ali. And when I am not studying the science of the universe and the laws of creation, I am listening to the big homie Raheem Shabazz on Necessary Blackness. Make sure you support. Peace. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. 
Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Arthur Emma Henry here. Whenever I want to get the latest on politics, social life issues facing our black community, I tune in to Necessary Blackness with Raheem Shabazz. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first. <laughs> now our feature presentation. We are back from our quick commercial break, and my name is Raheem Shabazz, and you are tuned in to Necessary Blackness Podcast, and we are sitting here with Schoolboy1867 for those that are joining us. And on the second half of our podcast, we're going to talk about the upcoming election that's happening in Georgia, and this election involves Stacey Abrams against the Republican nominee for governor, Brian Kemp. And if you don't already know, Brian Kemp is the secretary of the state here in Georgia. So his primary duty is to be in charge of the election and the voters' registration in the entire state of Georgia. And he will not reaccuse himself from um, his position as he runs for governor. And the sister, a black woman, is about to make history where she will be the first black woman governor in the state of Georgia if these votes are counted. Because what has essentially happened is um, Brian Kemp has canceled over 1.4 million voters registration since 2012. And in that time period... Over 670,000 registrations was canceled in 2017 alone. So voter suppression is alive and well here in Atlanta. And there's a lot of things that they are doing to suppress the black votes. They have a thing that's called exact match policy. And at this particular time, they are holding up 53,000 registrations. And let me explain to you guys what exact match policy is. That means that they look at the Georgia Department of Driving Services. They look at the Social Security Administration. And if there's an entry error, such as your initial is in your Georgia's driver's license, but it's not on the voter's registration card, that's an error. If something doesn't match on your Social Security, your name Anything like that, if you have a dropped hyphen, that is not an exact match and your vote will not be counted. (laughs) You are not even registered to vote. So this is what's happening in Georgia. And like I said, there's 53,000 registration that is being held up for the exact match and one of the things they are not doing is that they are not informing individuals that there's a problem with their voters' registration. Um, in Atlanta, um, blacks make up 32% of the population, but of these 53,000 uh, registrations that's being held up, 70% of them is black. And that is not by coincidence. So I know you've been um, following this story very closely. I just want to know what are your thoughts on this and what can we do as a people to push back from this voters uh, suppression that's going on? Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I studied international studies and economics when I was at Morehouse College. And, um, and so I know a little bit about uh, international politics and politics between uh, countries or states. So long story short, uh, oh, let me let me slow down a little bit. First of all, Stacey Abrams is a Spelmanite. She okay. went to Spelman College, and she's also uh, a Yaley. I think they call them. She went to Yale. So Shout out a, to the HBCUs. Absolutely. So she she's a high powered uh, she's a high power attorney, I believe it is. And, um, you know, just a really, I think she's a decent person, a person who I think we need in this time. Um, But, you know, I've been preaching the independent party for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that's opposed to a lot of the politics here in Georgia. Here in Georgia, if you're black, you're supposed to be a Democrat, you know, according to the party line of, of, you know, black folks. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is, the Democratic Party is the party of the KKK. That that is what it is. That never really changed. Um, the Democrats don't owe us anything, but we shouldn't be running to them expecting for them to be our savior. My opinion, in my humble opinion, I think that black people and progressive people need to start having an independent mindset, need to be not registering as independent because that doesn't always work, but having an independent mindset. Don't allow these political parties to govern how you vote. Allow the issues to govern how you vote. Absolutely. You know, so if there's a Republican who is for um, empowering the local community to uh, make the curriculum for the uh, Board of Education, hey, I'm all for that. You know, well, what I'm we saying? haven't seen that. We haven't seen it just yet, but I don't think that it's impossible. I do know this though. Like I live in uh, Sandy Springs here in Atlanta. In Sandy Springs, the majority of the politicians in that local area are independent. Now I know that a lot of those folks are Republican. But I also know that some of those independents are Democrats. And that's my point. They're not going to allow themselves to lose votes because they know that, that Sandy Springs is a progressive part of town. Mm-hmm. They're not going to lose votes by calling themselves a Republican. They're going to call themselves an independent and get those Republican and Democrat votes. This is almost something like what uh, Bernie Sanders was trying to do. Exactly. And then eventually he um, sold out. went Democrat. <laughs> and no, he didn't sell out. They right. sold him out. Right, right. And, you know, they gave Hillary the ticket. You know, I just say he sold out because Bernie went on that whole tour with the Democratic Party leadership where he was like, uh, we just need to throw all our support behind Hillary, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, we didn't need to throw our support behind Hillary because we didn't like Hillary. We need to throw our support behind Bernie because that's who we wanted. But he said that after he was no longer on right, the ticket. Right, right. And know we know I mean? that the Democratic Party colluded against him. To make Hillary, the, like, they rigged the whole thing and then they want to blame the voters for the loss. No, nah, you had a better candidate out there and you chose not to make him your candidate. Yeah. You deserve that loss. So I, one thing I want to say is that this is a race that's heavily, that's going to be heavily contested if Stacey Abrams does not win. Because right now she is looking like she is going to win. You know, from all standards, um, with people going out, with the early voting and everything that she has been doing, the only time this individual name is even mentioned is when it's dealing with voter suppression. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know, um, a couple of months back, he was campaigning in a van that was saying, we're going to lock up all immigration. Mm. Do you see that? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah. So... This dude is a Trump supporter, and um, I, I just find that it's crazy that he's allowed to even be a nominee for governor, and he didn't give up his position as Secretary of State right. when he's overseeing the election. That, that's, a, that's like a conflict of interest. Absolutely. And um, this is why you have a lot of young people that really don't take voting seriously. And I know there's some people saying, well, if we vote for her, she could change these rules and regulations. And it's almost like, you know, we're trying to change a system that's already rigged in their favor. Right. You know, he's not giving up his position. He's doing everything humanly possible to um, make sure that these votes are suppressed. So if you find yourself... In that situation with your vote sitting on his uh, desk and it hasn't been counted, your registration or whatever, there's something that's called the provisional ballot that you still can uh, vote and use until um, this situation is sorted out. And so I think people need to do that. And another thing people need to do is go to registertovote.sos.ga.gov. I actually went there today to see if I was registered to vote. And lo and behold, I wasn't registered to vote. And the reason why is because I, I thought I was registered because I still live in the same county. It's just that my address is different. So what I had to do is I had to go on there and make some changes and um, they're supposed to be sending me something in the mail. So I'm going to be allowed to vote. And um, 
I'm definitely voting for the sister, uh, Stacey Abrams. If you um, don't know about the sister, make sure that uh, you go online. Do your research. Um, I watched a very, uh, very profound video that she did, and she talks about her upbringing. And she didn't have it easy, and she was able to overcome her trials and tribulations to make it to where she's at now. And um, I, I think that this will be someone that can bring about change. Oh. She talks about education, mass incarceration, healthcare, a lot of uh, policies and legislations that affect us as a community of people. You wanted to say something? Yeah, I wanted to just throw in there the one thing that, and, and this is what I talk about. I'm, I'm just know this about me as far as being a commentator on politics. I am never going to support a two-party system in this country. I think that we deserve more than just two parties because this country is so uh, varied and diverse. But one of the problems that I think us as black people have is that we allow ourselves to be played. We're sitting here playing a game that they created, and we think we're going to beat them at their game. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I keep saying, be an independent. Hide your vote. Don't take those surveys telling them what you think about the, the issues. Don't do that. Hide your vote and, and make sure that your vote is counted because they're going to have to count the vote if they know that the voting base is fractured. Mm -hmm. And they'll figure that out if everybody starts voting independently. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, man, this, this voter uh, suppression that's going on is really bad, especially in the, in the state of Georgia. One of the most corrupt states in the country, by the way. Yeah, when it, especially when it comes to this voting. Um, just recently, they had 40 black senior citizens who was told to get off a bus that was organized to take them to cast their votes. And this happened in Louisville, Georgia. And the thing about it is that they are not affiliated with no political party. They have not endorsed the candidate and they didn't do nothing illegal. They was a group of senior citizens that came from a senior citizen center, and they were saying that, I guess, you know, when you have government money that funds a senior citizen center, you can't endorse a candidate, a vote, and things like that. So they made 40 of them get off the bus and said, you can't go and register to vote on this bus because um, that's illegal. Yeah, that sounds like uh, hogwash is what they call it out in the country here in Georgia. Hogwash. Yeah, and it you know, <laughs> and it was um, predominantly black, forty black senior citizens that they did this to. You already know, forty black people was going to vote for the sister Stacey mm -hmm. Abrams, and this was another tactic to use to do voters. Suppression. You said 1.5 million people were struck from the rolls? 1.4 million people, um, voters' registration was canceled wow. since 2012. So he, And he's been the, he's been the uh, Secretary of State since 2012. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, why, why wouldn't he have recused himself or put somebody in charge of... Is he still in charge of the whole voting apparatus? The vote, everything. everything. He's in charge everything. of that. Yeah. While he's running against an opponent. Yeah. That's crazy. He, he, he's going to be the one to tally up the votes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we living in a peculiar time, man, where this is allowed to happen. That's why I said we cannot play their game. The, the game is not designed for us to win. It's not really, it's not designed for the people, the normal people to win. You got to remember the Constitution was written by men who had money, who had slaves and land. They're not giving that up just because you asked for it and, and, and cast the vote. That's why I said security is one and economics is two. The votes can come later. But we got a real problem where we're not secure in our own communities. We don't flush our money around enough. All of those things are important when you're talking about nation building. And the thing about it is a lot of folks really don't understand that. They really don't understand. We got to get better about getting that across to our people. Like when you, If you're listening to this podcast, I'm probably not talking to you. And one thing you said, and that's very profound, is that we have to deal with security and economics, and you can't legislate security and economics because they control the economics. They control the security because they control the police. Right. So we have to police our own community. We have to pull our resources together and stop relying on the government to do with for us what we can do for ourselves. Now, one of the things that you said that 
a lot of people um, are saying is that we can't continue to give the Democrat our vote mm-hmm. because they take it for granted. And it's almost like if you're black, you're automatically going to vote for a Democrat. Um, and you were saying that we, we have to be free thinkers. Right. You know, right. and it almost sound like what Kanye West was saying. Whoa, whoa. You know, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't support that, that well, comment. He, he, he was saying that everybody's is black, supposed to be a Democrat, and if you're not a Democrat, blacks attack you. And <laughs> but wait, wait, I, wait. I know you're not saying that, but no, no. I, I wanted to segue into Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I use that analogy. No, right? no, you know what? This is one thing I did notice about that speech he gave. I think that man asked for Larry Hoover's freedom about 15 times in that conversation. That man want Larry Hoover free today, bro. <laughs> it really reminded me and, of like- And you know, you know what's the sad part, though? What? Yo, there are Negroes out there that are saying, why are y'all attacking Kanye West? He is a genius. <laughs> and what y'all going to say when Larry Hoover is free? Oh, uh, I'm going to say that was a bad move. I'm gonna say it was a bad move. I don't I, listen. I I don't owe Larry Hoover shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he don't owe me nothing. But what we do know about Larry Hoover's uh, past is that he was a destructive force in our community. Period. Well, one thing I will say, you know, um, from what I know from the research that I, I have done on him, um, he was a destructive force in our community. But that didn't send him to jail. Mm. Many of us have been destructive forces in our community, and mm-hmm. we're just off the radar. What really put him on the radar of the government is when he was getting people to vote, and he was registering his party. Like he was, what you talking about, a third independent party. Mm-hmm. He was starting that, okay. And he has so much political power. Mm, they had know, to lock him up. Yeah. Well, you know what? That that I, that was information I actually didn't have. And, and, and you know, yo, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the capacity to change, and um, they said that this man was was bringing about the necessary change that we all talk about, that we all want within our community, and that's when they locked him. And you know what? The, what what I will say is this: I, I I'll agree with the fact that. Everybody has their place. Like I, I, uh, for those of us who are, are, are esoteric and spiritual and things like that, I read a book called the Bhagavad Gita, and it's a, uh, I think it's an Indian or Hindu uh, holy book. Long story short, sounds like Indian. Yeah, long story short, um, the the whole story is about um, a god Krishna talking to uh, talking to a warrior Arjuna, and basically Arjuna says, uh, you know, you're telling me to go fight on this battlefield, but I look in the battlefield, I don't see nothing but my countrymen. I see my teachers and my uncles and my cousins. You know, I don't want to fight them. And Krishna, who's like the God, it's like their Jesus. Mm-hmm. Krishna says, uh, uh, Arjuna, I don't know if you noticed, but you're a warrior, bro. <laughs> That's what you do. So you about to get on the battlefield and do exactly what you need to do. I don't need you to be on the battlefield farming. I don't need you teaching nobody nothing. So maybe Larry's just one of the warriors. One of the warriors. You know what I'm saying? He got caught up doing some dirt and trying to fund a war. You can't always do it pretty, but... At the same time, I, I will say, yeah, maybe he's he's uh, uh, rehabilitated. And he's a threat he's to the system. Yeah, so it's possible. If, I won't say if Larry Hoover is the warrior, who is Kanye West? Um, is he a genius? Well, yeah, I think he might be a crazy genius. And that's okay, because I think, uh, what's his name, uh, Michelangelo, those, those different artists, those masters of their craft, all of them are kind of crazy. You know, Michael Jackson's an awesome performer, but I don't think anybody would uh, disagree he has some mental health issues. Kanye has mental health issues. I don't think he should have been in that room. Now, one thing that I want to say is that there are people that are leaders in economics and finance and education, urban development, and that have boots on the ground and that are working in the community with the community. None of them was invited to the White House. And don't y'all bring up Jim Brown. I'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> but it just plays to the stereotype that if you are entertainer, a performer, or an athlete, white folks feel safe around you. But you Raheem Shabazz, <laughs> and you talking that black power militant talk, oh, you better not bring your ass next to the White House. <laughs> you know, but, you know... It doesn't necessarily have to be anybody militant. You know, if you can go and you can articulate the plight that's happening in the urban community and you can be one 
that can bring solutions to an ongoing problem, then that's who needs to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kanye needs to be there because he's not in the community doing the work of the people. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of stuff that he was saying wasn't making no sense at all. Now, I think like a medical professional should really be in some hot water about letting him be. Well, well, this is the thing. You have... Two people with mental illness. <laughs> Talking to them. A, they, they was understanding everything they was saying. Having a conversation. You Yo, know what I mean? And, and you, you heard what Trump said. This guy is brilliant. Asked, <laughs> yeah. What do you think? He said, this guy is brilliant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm going to say this, right? Um, the first time with the slavery was a choice and he came back and he apologized and he said that he really sees that he hurt a lot of people and he wanted to apologize for that and then he went and did this wearing the MAGA hat and saying that it gave him superhuman strength and he felt like Superman you know it's called delusion it's called cooning that's what it's really called <laughs> you know yeah let's yo let's let's tell it like it is man and let the chips fall where it may and um, I, I don't think, you know, we have time for that, you know. And um, I think Kanye needs to sit his ass down and he needs to look into himself, man, and, and realize that you're not the voice of the people. You know, he, he talks about how people try to put individuals in a box and black people are not monolithic and that some of us think different. Um you're you're thinking different not as an individual against individuals you're thinking different from uh, against a race of people Mm. like we know that Trump don't have our best interests at heart the majority of us know that he's a racist and a white supremacist and no amount of love you know we gotta stop that with you know love overcomes hate you can be the most loving person on the planet. If someone has the capacity to hate you, mm-hmm. ain't no amount of love going to stop it. You know what I always tell people when they say that? Uh, I say, well, tell me the type of love that liberated the United States from the Queen's crown. Hmm. What kind of love did they, did they show <laughs> that got them their own country? Tell me about the love that freed the slaves from this country during the Civil War. What part of the love, like, there was, it, was, it was war that made those things happen at the end of the day, you know. And at the end of the day, a lot of our open enemy, they understand that. They out here jogging. They out here buying all kind of guns. They're not just doing that so they can be healthy and they have hobbies. They're doing that because they understand. And we have to get ourselves in the mindset that if, if, if you portray yourself as my open enemy and you engage with my open enemies, then you are my open enemy. Absolutely. You, you become an open enemy, you know, because you know, we the holders and keepers of ourselves in predicament and we all have a responsibility to one another. And I think that Kanye West betrayed that responsibility. And from this day forward, he should never be invited back to the family's cookout. Nah, nah. You heard what Donald Trump was saying. He was like, oh, they love him. Who, Who's they? <laughs> nah, did you hear what Alex Baldwin said? He said, I think he said, I, I think when he was playing Trump, he said, maybe we should order Kanye's lunch from a pharmacy. That, that had me on the floor. No, before that, <laughs> nah, he, said he said that since he played Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live, uh-huh. everywhere he go, he said, black people love me. Mm. He said, they love me. Um... And then he said, I think this is good for black people. And it, it, it was something almost to the effect of that they love him and they love Trump. Mm. And no, what, he, what he's confusing is black people like your craft mm-hmm. and you being an actor, mm-hmm. it, it, it hasn't made them love you more because you're playing Trump. Like it was, it had real racist undertones to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody that want to go check, it's actually on my uh, Twitter and it's on my Instagram. And for those that are just tuning in, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, Raheem Shabazz, and I'm sitting here with Schoolboy 1867. 
That's his handle Salute. on Instagram and Twitter, right? And Twitter, yeah. I've actually been a lot more active on uh, my Instagram. My Instagram got a whole 107 visits this week, bro. Oh, wow. I'm trying to tell you. I'm coming up in the game. And not gonna be, I'm going to be Hollywood. I'm not going to lie. You're going to be Hollywood. I'm going to be Hollywood. Well, yeah. you got a long way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A hundred and how many? Listen, man. We, let's not get into the numbers, okay? <laughs> let's not get into the numbers. I'm a numbers type of guy. <laughs> but yeah, make sure y'all check me out, man, on uh, Instagram. You can check me out on Facebook. You can check me out on YouTube. Everything is at Raheem Shabazz. So what else is going in, on in the news? And listen, we talk about voting. We talk about... Um, getting politicians that are progressive to get in office and to legislate for our well-being, whether it's education, economics. Um, but even when we do have politicians that's in office, we also have federal judges and we have a Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And Trump already elected 21 uh, federal uh, court judges. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to just worry about the Supreme Court because you got to go through the federal court first before you, you get that. to the Supreme yeah. Court. So let me tell you something, man. The deck is being stacked. Yeah, so this is not good, man. When Trump leaves office, it's going to take years and years and years to unravel what he already put in. And don't so be, all these rich white men and, and these individuals that are really rallying behind Trump, they're doing it because they know for the next 40 years, everything is going to play into their mindset. It's going to help them economically. They're not caring about the generation that comes after and two and three and four generations. They're thinking about themselves. And it's going to take years and decades to unravel a lot was being done, especially uh, with this new Supreme Court appointee, because if you read case law and you read some of the Supreme Court ruling, there's a lot of times there's always one deciding vote. You know, it'll say four to five uh, dissenting decision, and he's going to be that one to make those laws go into effect or certain case rulings that they rule on with his one deciding vote. When you found out that this man, after everything, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands and millions of people putting in petitions, mm -hmm. that he was sworn in for a, a lifetime as a Supreme Court judge, what was your thoughts and where was you at? Uh, where was I at? I think I was at uh, work that day. You was at Onyx. Uh, I was working, sir. And I, I I do moonlight as a security guard at times, so <laughs> it's possible you saw me at Onyx, but I was I was Is definitely that Magic sure City. Good. Nah. <laughs> so no, what, what was your no, thoughts though? When I saw that, at first I thought it was a joke. To be honest with you, I was like, they're not going to let that happen. But you, did you go? Did you see how the Republicans like flip? They went in in front of the cameras and was like, I'm not voting for him. And then they went into the voting booth and voted for him. Like wow. that's how they they pulled the reverse John McCain on him. So. Um, yeah, man. You, like you said, they're stacking the deck against us. And if black people specifically don't stop waiting for white people to save them, we're going to be in a lot of trouble in 50 years. We're in a lot of trouble now. And the thing about it is we're in cycles. We're in cycles. Like, when are we going to break the cycle? I think, again, we got to stop playing their game with them. We got to switch it up to the point. Like, like, like say, for instance, um, gospel music, right? They gave us the church. Now, some people are probably not going to like this, but they gave us the church. Mm -hmm. They gave us gospel music, and you know the young black kids was in there, you know, singing, humming the songs, and making up their own lyrics. And next thing you know, we got jazz, not jazz, with R and B and rock and roll and things like. A lot of stuff came out of that. Mm -hmm. So we can always flip the script. We're really good at doing that. You know, we just have to figure out how to do it in a way that's secure. And the other thing about it is this. But tell you know what, we have to stop going for the okie doke. Yeah. Yo, let me tell you something. They did their head fake nod on word. When they when that when when they showed the video on CNN of those two women approaching uh what was his name Jeff Flake yeah they approached him in the elevator mm -hmm. and they was really like going in, going in on him mm -hmm. and then he went back in and he was just like listen I gotta hear more testimony and um I think it'd be a good idea for the FBI to come in my vote is undecided until after the investigation. <laughs> 
everybody was thought that he was going to be the deciding foe mm-hmm. and that now that the FBI was involved, it was going to be an investigation, the truth was going to come out, and, and the FBI just rubber stamped it. We didn't Absolutely. find no conclusive evidence and... And they just pushed it through. Well, you know what? A lot of people always say, I would never be a slave, right? I don't think they realize that that slavery thing that happened here wasn't just something that happened. There were laws behind that. There were machinations within the government that allowed that to happen. And what we're seeing now is the foundation for that type of activity. Now, we already know it's going to be a fight if that's the case. However, we can be proactive about this and we should be proactive about it. And voting alone isn't going to change things. Like, we really have to change the mindset of our people. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we're going to conclude um, this episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. Uh, Kofi, I appreciate having you here. Yes, this sir. Is, how many times you been on? Yeah. I think this is my third time. Third time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably the fourth. I was actually in, in the first five episodes, by the way. First five episodes? Yeah, I'm a real veteran here. Oh, man, you're an <laughs> alumni. Yes, sir. You know, but we definitely got to have you back, man. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Um, likewise, likewise. Because I, I'm learning about politics, and um, I'm trying to understand the mindset. Um, I'm going to vote. And I'm not an individual that votes frequently. I voted for Obama in the first election. Um, and I'm going to vote for this sister because I believe in her platform and what she's trying to do. And hopefully, you know, we'll get some electoral justice and our votes will not be suppressed. Once this uh, sister becomes um, governor of Georgia... And there's also a brother, you know about the brother in um, Florida that's also uh, running for governor. And they thought he wasn't going to win, and now he's flying high in the numbers. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, Yeah. so there's a lot of eyes on that. Um, And there's a lot of, um, they said there's more black women that's um, being voted in the Congress. Oh, can and I can I plug can I plug the new uh, political party in the Democratic side? Oh yeah, go ahead. The Justice Democrats. If you haven't heard about the Justice Democrats, uh, they are a creation, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and you can uh, look it up on Google because I actually haven't done all the research just yet. But the Justice Democrats is how we got that sister up in uh, New York, that new senator in New York. Oh yeah. Because the only thing you need to do to run as a Justice Democrat is put in an application and have somebody write your reference letter, and then the Justice Democrats will use all of their power and machinations to support you in your run. So, so check out the Justice Democrats. They do have justice—I mean, Democrats—in their name. But again, hiding your vote is part of the strategy. Go ahead and check them out. If you think you have it in you to run locally or nationally, put your application in. That's right. And remember, all politics is local. We have to start voting. You have to start voting, whether it be to get someone in in the school board. Um, in in Atlanta, the sheriff. He's voting in the office. You know, a lot of these commissioners, they're voting in the office and they decide policy and procedures that affect us all. And the only way we're going to be able to control the resources and the finance and the economics in our community if we have control of it. So let's make sure we get out, man, and take control. Peace and black power. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace.